are we in a war? And what are we at war with? I think that even begs the question. Like, I like your term, I'm a conscientious objector. Like, I'm not choosing into this war. And I think that's an interesting concept to think about. I think we can sometimes think we are at war with our ideological opponents, but the reality is we are supposed to be at war for them. Somewhere that gets lost when we enter into the culture war in the way that we have. I think about, like, Jesus who wept over Jerusalem. You know, he wept over Jerusalem not because they weren't accepting him and they weren't going his way, but because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And I feel like that's the place that we need to be in. What are we fighting or who are we fighting or who are we fighting for? And I think if we can get that peace right, we can actually regain the power we're meant to have and the influence we're meant to have. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Thinking Well. Um, I'm here with Renee. Hi. Jay Bryan. Hi there. And Dan. Hey. How's everybody doing? Doing well. I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to my dad joke. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, you just gave it away, so. Oh, um, for, forget Everybody forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this dad joke. Yeah, it's so. not going to be good because Renee will tell you I do not tell jokes. Oh, okay. I, I, am, I will not. In fact, it's, it's a prophecy. I will not successfully tell this joke either, but I'm going to give it a go. Okay. All well, right. sounds good. So let's let's begin with that. So take your pick of either telling a dad joke or a highlight of your week. Oh, options. So, um, Renee, let's start with you. Hmm. A highlight of my week. We had a game night uh, at church where a bunch of adults just got together and played games. And it was really a blast. It was just fun to get together and laugh. And I won at Yahtzee. So that was a highlight. Nice. Yeah. I still don't know how to play Yahtzee. Yeah. And I was sitting at the same table, which means I lost at Yahtzee. And therefore, I'm telling a dad joke. Okay. (laughs) That was not a highlight of my week. So did you know, by the way, recently there was a Geometric Forms podcast where several gathered to talk about how the events of the day were shaping up. Things got a little heated, though, and finally the triangle looked at the circle and said, you are pointless. Oh, that's that was a very complex it was. dad joke. Yeah. I was you told it perfectly though. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. I read that right off my paper. <laughs> okay, I've got a dad joke. We'll see how it competes. Um <laughs> win. I feel like you've set the bar. Well, I, won't, I won't go there. <laughs> okay. So my dream job is to clean mirrors. You know why? Because I can really see myself doing that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm afraid you won. Okay, the simplicity ah, nice. of that dad joke kind of, I mean... I embellished, I admit, yeah, on mine. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I give it to you. You? Yeah. Never. Can, can I add one more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go right. ahead. Have you guys heard of those new corduroy pillows? N- no. They're really making headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. Okay, awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, I have no jokes. 
I am not a joke teller. So the highlight of my week, okay, Saturday was still a week ago. So we went roller skating for my nephew's birthday party. And it was really cute seeing like Emery and Audrey skate. And Audrey, if she's not smiling, she's glaring. And so she's concentrating really hard. And so she was like skating with her arms swinging and her like brow furrowed and everything. It was really cute. So. And your mom skated. She did. And it was really funny because uh, actually my dad did too. And they haven't skated in many years. Many, many years. And so my dad was pushing our youngest in a stroller. Because he was like, I need this to help me skate. (laughs) (laughs) And then my mom had her hands in my dad's belt to like hold on to him. So it was like a little train. It was hilarious. Pictures. Fun for young and old. Yes, Yes. exactly. And she only fell once. So that's good. Yes. That's really cool. Well, I'm really excited about this topic. I like like controversial stuff. It just, it brings me life. Right, Renee? You love it too? I I am here <laughs> to No, I can I can do kind of um what was the word controversial. I can yeah. do controversial. Perfect. I think it's good. You married controversial. I did. Uh-huh. But thank you for for being here. <laughs> well, culture wars is uh all on the news, all around the news today. And so I thought we should like actually give the definition and then we can go around and say an issue and then we'll see if we respond to that as a culture war or not. So the definition, a culture war is a cultural conflict between social groups and the struggle for dominance of their values, beliefs, and practices. Okay. So So that's the definition we're working from. That's the definition we're working from. Okay. Um, so let's see, um, Dan, what's what's a cultural issue, or what you think is a cultural issue, and we'll see if it resonates. Hmm. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw this out there because like I think sometimes we can conflate political issues and cultural issues, but sometimes there's some crossover. So I'm gonna throw this out there: um, gun control. Hmm. Uh, Definitely. It feels like it should just be policy, but I feel like it goes deeper, at least in America. Oh, it's a culture war right now, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because it goes deeper than just your opinion on guns. It's more like about freedom and the right to protect yourself. And what does that actually mean if I can't do that? And the the government has all the power. Right. Well, mine would be uh, um, inappropriate books in school libraries or censorship. Is that a culture war thing? Yes. Yeah, I would say that is, because you have, again, different people that have different values or beliefs around. Like extraordinarily different. Yeah, and competing then for Yeah, I brought a list. I hope there's time. Okay, so one that I had on my list was racial injustice. Oh. Is that a culture war issue in this? It's become a culture war issue. But it depends on how you define it. Right. Right. Which becomes part of part of the culture war. Why it's at right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, oh man, I I think I'm gonna go with the one that's close to my heart, which is like medical freedom. So like being able to choose not to take anything that you don't want to take. Yeah. Right? 
And that yeah. definitely would, I think, qualify as a as a culture war issue. Yeah. Which again, I don't think it should be. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I would echo what I said earlier. Like that should just be someone's choice. But stemming from that issue is all kinds of things about autonomy and control. And so, like, it's much deeper than just do I get this shot or not and all of that. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, does anyone have another one? Well, I was going to say, like, what are some ones that aren't culture war issues? Like, uh, is healthcare, like, just in general, like, how people access healthcare? Like, that I seems more policy driven. It but- does seem policy driven, but it's been attached to class and it's been attached to uh, race. Access based on race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's become more of a, a culture war issue as it relates to how should we address um, access to healthcare? Uh, because then we have different approaches to that. You know, free market versus getting a more socialized, that becomes very. Right. And which one works better? And that becomes part of the issue as well because it can, you can socialize it, but then um, do the lines get longer? Do people actually get better health care? Right. Uh, so there's all kinds of components to that. That's, that's interesting. Space. Exploration the of space. Final frontier. Exploration of space. Is that a culture war issue? Hmm. That's the only one I can think of where I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think so at this point. Unless you bring up funding. I, f- I feel like it will be. I mean, Elon Eventually. Musk's involved in it. It's yeah. not. <laughs> All right. He's, we're going to land on the moon because of a rocket that his company is creating. So it, so but then is it a culture war or is it just politics? Well, I don't know. Was, have we landed on the moon before? We have, but we're about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then it was okay. That's a culture war issue. We needed, <laughs> no. we needed to be there, you know, to beat the Russians and all that, which... Now, what is that? 50-some years later, we're still trying to beat the Russians. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Um, funding uh, wars outside of our borders, is that a culture issue? Well, I guess it depends I'll, on who you talk to. I'll bet yeah. it is at this table. Yeah. 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 So what's, what's oh, the definition man. again? Let's just go back and just make sure we're not drifting from that. A um, cultural conflict between social groups and the struggle for dominance of their values, beliefs, and practices. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, like, man, even even down to, like, the budget, like the U.S. budget, that uh, that's all attached to values, right? Where do we right, spend that right. money? It is. Okay, yeah. so you're telling me nothing is... <laughs> Apparently everything <laughs> is is contaminated by this culture war. And actually contaminated is probably a good word. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it, is it helpful? You know, that it has become a war? Of but it's not new. Like that? No, it's not new, but it has taken a different, uh, it has a different impact now, doesn't it? And do you think that's largely because of the platforms we now have for this war to be waged? I do. Like the the discussions around all of these different things were much more um, sequestered into different areas of society, discussions around things of science, discussions around things of medicine, discussions around, you know, and now we have access to these arguments all the time. We do, but the platforms are giving the appearance of us actually solving these issues because we're all being so vocal and we have ways that we can be, you know, sp- spitting out our, our, our beliefs and thoughts like that. But I'm wondering 
if one of the reasons why the wars are becoming more intense is because we're we're not solving them. We just, we're shouting at them. Yeah. We think typing something against somebody else on the computer, you know, yeah. on Instagram or Facebook is solving it. And then we're not actually going out and making the change. Yeah. There's, yeah. Outside of um, this discussion, like if I'm in a business meeting or something like that, or even in a church meeting, I get frustrated when we get to a point of the conversation where I go, so have we resolved anything? What are our action steps? What's going to happen next? That kind of thing. Yeah. And when that when that happens, I, I get frustrated. And that p- aspect of culture wars is what's most frustrating for me because just yelling at the problem isn't doing anything. And it's just getting louder and we're solving less. I think... Two, maybe there's a little bit of an aspect of um, there's certain people that benefit from there being a culture war. Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously politicians, as long as they have a fight that they can go to their voter base with and say, I'm going to fight for this for you, then it's in their interest that the war keeps on going, even if they're making little victories here and there. Like, if everything's solved, then... What do you need to What's the platform? Yeah. What it right. Is the, but yeah. not just politicians, like the media. Yeah, the media. Oh yeah, huge. And then um like even people on social media that have built their platform out of kind of stoking the As influencers. Fires. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. if they didn't have issues to to get people outraged about, what would their platform be? Right. I think a good example would be the race debate. Because in my lifetime, and this is my opinion, in my lifetime, there has been enormous progress with um, racial racial situations in this country. Um, but it doesn't serve people in power well to have that box to check next to their resume. I solved this, I solved this, or we changed this law, or there's... Um, more affordable housing for everybody, things like that. That's not the thing. What keeps them in power is that people are still angry with each other. So to that degree, I think not solving the problem can help people, or at least politicians. Well, even the number of people who said, well, I didn't like voting for this guy, but I did it so the other one wouldn't be in power. Because, you know, and so it's, they're not actually voting for something. It's, you know, they're trying to... They're voting against something. They're voting against something, Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I think it's interesting because it's yes, I totally agree that there's there are entire industries that are and and kind of segments of our society that are fueled by outrage, like like most of social media right now. Yeah. You know, or whatever. (laughs) And and so I, I see that piece. I also think that there is something innately in us that always wants to improve things. And so we might be able to say, yes, we've made strides in this, we've made strides in this, but we are always looking for improving. And so there's always this reach towards, but could it be better? Yeah. You know, like like healthcare has made great strides or, you know, but could it be better? And so then we're looking for, you know, the means to make that even more, you know, effective. And and I would say to the to the point that, you know, we're not actually solving anything. I think that there's a lot of people who are in the dominant position in some of these areas that are actually moving the ball down the field. They are actually promoting solutions, but the problem is that not everybody is agreeing with those solutions. And so yeah. things are happening. We just mm. we just don't I can I can agree with that. Like what's happening in the Minnesota legislature right now. Right. Definitely the ball is moving, but 
to, from my perspective, it's going the wrong direction. Right. Yeah. 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 And there's also, I mean, like a lot of these issues like abortion and just some of the bigger issues to me, like they're not first a culture war thing. They're a moral thing. There's something that as Christians, we, we get our beliefs from the Bible and, but they become these culture war issues. Um, so I don't know. Morals create culture, but, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's just interesting because like we're like no, we're, we genuinely believe like this is this is a moral thing, and they're like no, you're just creating more culture wars, you know? Right. Um, and that's so. part of the war right now, isn't it? Because what we what used to be um, solid parts of our society, you know, part of the framework, rules and laws and things like that, that I think were based on biblical morality. As that's changing, that becomes really important. Uh, I think. Mm-hmm. For Christians to stand up and to be different, and that's part of, and that's part of the war because as we stand up and speak against some of the things going on, because it's uh, changing, we think in a negative way. Um, what? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody was about to say yeah. something. Okay. No, no, no. That's yeah. Um, I, I just think as that's happening, I don't want to lose my train. Um, Talking about the changing, shifting culture. What used to be normal and acceptable. Yeah, that's, yeah. So as Christians, we need to stand up, and as we speak a little bit louder, that becomes more of a battle, and right. that and becomes part of the war. And there's, come on, I recognize it's a controversial topic, but I, would us talking about children changing their bodies physically 15 years ago, would we have even had that conversation? that that was even an option, that that might even be a good idea. And so for me, as a Christian being against that, thinking that that's not a good idea, mm-hmm. that at a minimum they should wait till they're 18 before they make decisions about, um, in my opinion, mutilating their bodies. Yeah. Um, you know, what that kind of stuff is going on, I just feel like we need to stand up against it. So as it relates to Christians, for example, being involved, I think we do need to set ourselves apart in the culture wars. So I think that would bring a good question about do what has changed do we think something has changed like i think we would all agree that there's always been culture wars of some sort but has something actually changed as it relates to what that looks like in this time in history yeah so i i have a thought on this um i think it's just something as simple as removing out of a Christian society uh, to a world where people want to be their own God. So they want to Mm. be self-determined. They want to choose their own career path, choose what they spend their money on. In some ways, like we've always been that, but now it's hyper that. Choose their own identity. And so, you know, even people that might culturally identify as Christian, they still want to be their own God. So they're, they're going down these paths and i would i would say like that is that has been the shift maybe in the last 15 20 years yeah i can agree with that yeah i also think a breakdown of family i mean that's that's a huge part of it because parents used to be able to have some influence on their kids you know and then with just you know going back to our education episode like we're giving more and more of that away and 
now they're in the influence of other people, what, eight hours a day, more than that, if they're in sports and everything. Um, so I think a breakdown of family too has a, a big impact on that. And I do agree with that. And yet at the same time, there are families that are coming around to bring up the issue that I just brought up about you know, the trans issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are families that are coming around their transitioning kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and supporting them and saying, good job. And we're so proud of you and stuff like that. And those are entire families and family systems. And you just kind of wonder, where did that come from? Mm. Where did, where yeah. did, when did, when did that become okay? Well, and there's, um, there's a whole lot of other stuff, you know, anorexia yeah. and yada, yada. And yeah. Well, I mean, so as Christians, we're coming at this as Christians, like we're talking about all these different issues. So how should we respond if at all? And I think that might change for every issue, but how do you guys think that we should respond to these, these culture war issues or should we? <sighs> I, I think that, you know, the Bible gives us really, really great advice about how to respond to this and even and lets us know that we are going to feel at tension with our own cultures, with, mm. you know, with the cultures that we're living in. There is going to be this tension. Um, in reality, there's always been this tension. But I believe part of what we're facing is, is a power shift for us as as Christians, we um, have lost some of our power positions that we used to have that kind of gave us this sense of um, having having the authority, the moral majority, you know all of those terms and and so um, i I think it's interesting that it, to some degree, when we talk about, you know, Scripture talks about our weapons aren't carnal, mm-hmm. mm. but we've gotten really used to using the weapons of the world. We've gotten really used to using the power of the word world as opposed to like the power positions that we've had, as opposed to really what the Bible says we have, which is a, a different kind of power, a different kind of authority. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is just to return to that reality that we we are absolutely going to feel this tension and i think one of the first things for me is we need to get off of the defensive spirit where where i feel like like all of a sudden there's this defensiveness coming mm-hmm. where we feel like we have to react and we have to defend and we were never meant to play the defensive position. We were always meant to play from the place of advancement and being about what we're for and and really, um, you know, growing what it is that we're for and what we're carrying as opposed to uh, trying to be about what we're against and and pushing pushing back on. And so I see a lot of Christians with really hurt feelings. I see a lot of Christians with just feeling, you know, really upset that we've lost these positions of influence and power. And I think we need to kind of return to where is our power actually supposed to be and how is that supposed to, you know, function? And um, yeah, I just think... Well, it's supposed to be towards them, towards uh, people that we disagree with, for example... We are to have a heart for them. We are supposed to love them. And sometimes the issues, not sometimes, almost every time the issues separate us to the point that we are angry with them and things like that. But we are called to love. 
um, without question. I'm reminded of, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but Rachel, your husband Jordan had a, um, a vision, an open vision during a church service where he just shared that he sees our church being surrounded by people. And they're all, they're, they're perhaps disheveled and maybe dirty and sad or looking angry or, um, and these people are our neighbors. So these, these aren't like, like, um, foreign to this land or something like that. These are people that are just, and they are circling our church and it looks like an angry mob almost. But as, as he was sharing that, they are not, they are not approaching our church because they're mad at us. They're approaching our church because they need us. And whether they know that right now or not, that whole, um, we need to be ready for them. We need to love them, even if we don't agree with them, even if even if we know they don't like us. Um, we need to overcome the cultural war, cultural war aspect of it, mm-hmm. and love them and invite them in. Yeah. So I can't speak for all Christians and how we should engage culture wars, but for me, I. I think of myself as like a conscientious objector to culture wars. And that doesn't mean like I don't care about issues or have opinions. I do. But I just, I realize that a lot of this stuff is driven by like, if if we're using this war analogy, then there's generals in the culture war that are telling us, you need to be concerned about this. You need to be outraged by that. You need to fight this. And, um, I got to a point in my life maybe 10 years ago where I just felt exhausted by that. Um, Again, it wasn't that I had this ideological shift about issues. It was just, um, well, I'll give you an example. I used to, I used to watch like a lot of cable news and listen to a lot of talk radio, (laughs) like a lot (laughs) because I work from home. So I'd have it on in the background. So I would hear all this stuff about, what the Democrats are doing and what Obama was doing. And I get like so angry and worked up about it. And I used to watch um, Bill O'Reilly. Do you remember him? Yes. <laughs> and I, I do. It's, it, well, how many firings ago was that? So, you know, Tucker, <laughs> Bill, yeah. so he had this segment called the, the culture war segment. And like he'd highlight on a specific culture war. Um, and I remember around Christmas time, he was going off about how we're losing Christmas and people want to take Christ out of Christmas. And I think, yeah, some of that is obviously true. You could find any example of that if you look hard enough. Right. um, Because there's just so many different stories. But um, I remember him like railing against Starbucks and Target. And then um, (laughs) later that week, we went out to... Target, which has a Starbucks in it. And I'll never forget this. My wife is doing Christmas shopping, so she just went off, and I I just wanted to have some time by myself just to look around, look at TVs and whatever. And um, so I went to Starbucks to get a drink, and they were selling this blend of coffee that you could buy, and it, they call it their Christmas blend. And I was like, hang on, I was told Starbucks are just against Christmas and including the word Christ. Right, right. And then uh, later on I went just browsing through Target and they were selling Christmas trees. And I was told they were selling holiday trees. And they were selling nativity sets too. And so I kind of felt like I'd been set up yeah. and lied to a bit. And I'm, I want to be clear, I'm sure you could go to other stores and find where they're using that more neutral holiday e- language. Even that store. Right. Yeah, even yeah. those stores. You're right. Yeah. So then it just kind of began my process of like, 
uh, calling into question all these people that were telling me to be mad about all these things. So, I think that's fair. Yeah, I do. So yeah, again, to be clear, like there's a lot of stuff I'm concerned about, but I want to fight those things if I am engaging in a culture war from a different place than all these personalities and social media influences telling me what I need to be upset about. I think, I think even the question, are we in a war and what are we at war with? I think that even begs the question. Like I like your term, I'm a conscientious objector. It's a great, like I'm not choosing into this war. And I think that's an interesting concept to think about that. I think we can sometimes think we are at war with our ideological opponents but the reality is we are supposed to be at war for them. Like, mm. that is the war. It's not we're at war with them. Mm. We're supposed to be at war for them, for the sake of their souls. And I think somewhere that gets lost when we enter into the culture war in the way that we have, um, or in the ways that, when I say we, I guess I mean the broader, you know. Yeah. But But there's, I think about like, Jesus, who wept over Jerusalem, Jerusalem that was about to crucify him, you know, he wept over Jerusalem, not because they weren't accepting him and they weren't going his way, but because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And I feel like that's the place that we need to be in, is that we're, we are, what are we fighting or who are we fighting or who are we fighting for? And I think if we can get that that piece right, we can actually regain the power we're meant to have and the influence we're meant to have uh, into these issues. But we've chosen lesser, a lesser battleground, lesser weapons, uh, you know, the method of, of how we're going to come against really this darkness, you yeah. know, in, in people's lives. So really, I mean, as Christians, like we can't, escape any of this but we can choose to approach it in a way that's biblical right so even though people might be saying oh you're engaging in culture wars all we can really do is be like well i'm i'm engaging in culture you know and in in a biblical way um yeah because yeah even with like my kids involved like they're part of the discussion in these cultural times you know and and my biggest concern is about my kids. And so um, approaching it to where I see like people who I'm like, you're trying to come after my kid. I'm going right. to, I'm going to defend them with everything I've got. It's hard to look at it that way. Cause I'm like, no, you're not my friend. Like I will fight you, <laughs> you know? So even if they're your enemy, how are we to relate with our enemy? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's that's a piece that that is a difficult. What does it look like to love your enemy and yet to still speak the truth, mm-hmm. to still, you know, still speak the truth, knowing that no matter how you say it in a loving way, they're still going to call you hateful. Right. You know, and they're right. still going mm-hmm. to call you names. So I've had the opportunity um, this last month to get to know a little bit about the local organization called CARE, uh, which is the local food shelf. And I've been able to observe um, some amazing volunteers and people that are working uh, to feed uh, people that are actually hungry. 
in this community. And um, in doing so, I've actually met people that I didn't know lived here. Um, I've seen like lots of people, maybe thus far about 100 people that I'd never seen before. I haven't seen at stores because they don't have money to go shop at stores. I haven't seen them actually in you know other community events or churches. But um, these people are being cared for and given food despite their cultural perspectives, mm. despite what they believe, despite they might um, some of the people I saw just a couple of days ago, they might disagree with me politically, for example, on everything or on all cultural issues. But it was so easy to love them and for them to love us back, just being in that process of, you know, getting them food and mm. stuff like that. And and I just bring that up to say that there's still examples in society, or maybe that is an example of how we deal with a lot of different cultural wars that we can love on them and um, without without judging, without anything. Just mm. I think that's what we're supposed to do. I don't know if there's a point there or not, but yeah, I would add to that. Um, about engaging in a culture war in a different way that looks different from how the culture is actually doing it. Uh, maybe being able to listen to people and not just listen, but to be able to listen so well that you can articulate their position back and not exaggerate um, or make a character caricature out of that. Because um, I've, I've done a lot of listening to other positions like the other side of what I would consider myself not because I'm trying to be convinced of the other side but right. just just to listen and I realized that a lot of things I was told about the other side not all of those things match up <laughs> and so like it doesn't change anything about what I believe but it does change the way I would engage with that mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. it does there's a lot of a lot of false pretenses that I would bring into a conversation that now I just know what to leave alone yeah. Well, and how about this? Um, for example, a cultural war in this country right now, is there some people that are in support of Ukraine militaristically and financially right now? And there are some people in this country that are not saying, you know, we shouldn't be involved with this and so on. Well, I saw a different perspective um, at that same food shelf. There is a high percentage of people that come through there that are Russian. Mm. And there might be some that are Ukrainian that come through there too, but the point is, is you you can't help but see them differently. I'm not particularly jazzed by the behavior of the Russian government, but I see the victims of their government in situations like that, and they just want a break. You know, they just want they just want some help, and it's so easy to get involved in the yelling and screaming, and I'm smarter than you, and this is what this is the way we're supposed to do things, and then overlook the needs of Mm -hmm. our of our neighbor. Well, I think it's also really easy to look at this mass, this large group of people, and to stop seeing the individual people. Right. And so we look at the message of this larger group, whatever whatever culture war you're talking about, mm-hmm. and we go, "Oh, that's hopeless." Because you know they're there's they're coming you know with all of this ideology that we don't agree with and whatever. But then if you were to talk to one single person and you would begin to see what it is what their need is what what place even asking the lord how do you want to encounter or meet this one person that's possible that is possible and that's really the way that jesus worked and Je- you know jesus moved he 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 learned how to touch the one 
And I think there's, we've lost a little bit of that. We, we've yeah. lost, like you said, I've been told this about this group of people, but then when I listen to individual voices or I'm in an actual conversation with somebody, I realize, oh, it's not that broad to say they all think this and they all hate us and they all, you know. And so I think that's another aspect of it is we need to come back to that really looking at a person and, and like you said, loving them. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and going, how does how God want to meet them? right now. And here's a codicil I need to add to that. And that is that that doesn't mean that they don't hate us. And that doesn't mean that they aren't against us and that they don't that they don't want um, to cause harm to us. It's kind of irrelevant, though. but it is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm of you know me, I mean, I'm, a, uh, I'll fight things politically, and I'll be in the battle and I'll speak in front of the board or whatever. At, and maybe maybe it doesn't do any good. I don't know, but I can't not do that. But I do know that the high road is where we should be headed, and that is to overlook all those other differences and to serve and to love each other. I think my concern with that is that if I have if I choose to have a voice on that platform, if I choose to be in the battle in that way, that I lose my voice to the one person. That's, that's always been my my that's concern. That's why you're the lead pastor, and I'm I'm not. That's not true. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I think there's a reality that, that different people are called to different that's, yeah. ways of that is addressing. True. Yeah, exactly. That is yeah. True. That's what. Yeah, yeah, like you have to listen to Holy Spirit and see what He's telling you yeah, specifically to this? do, right? Yeah. Um, because you may have more of an impact in the political arena and. Renee, you may have more of an impact in the church arena, you know, right, and so right. it it really is different for everybody. And it's when we are obsessed with looking like the person who we think is making the biggest impact or who has made an impact on us. And we're like, I have to be exactly like them. And we go outside of God's calling on our lives. Right. right. That's really good. To thine own self be true. Not biblical, but yeah. but it's the thing. Yeah. So I would just throw this out there like, for people who would want to be involved politically or in political power, I think even then you have an opportunity to look different in that position of power. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to what I was saying about not painting with broad brushstrokes, um, like even the whole LGBTQ issue, I've come to realize there's not like one single agenda there. That's a, actually a very broad group of people. And we see the headlines of things that are happening and maybe what some people are advocating for, but they don't speak for the whole group. And so even people, Christians in power would have an opportunity to, um, you know, still hold their, their Christian sexual ethic, but, um, definitely build bridges in ways that regular politicians who are just all about winning right. <laughs> and making broad sweeping That's statements, right. um, yeah, that's just a unique opportunity for Christians, I think. I think the other aspect is no matter what we're called to, whether we're called to that political arena, if we're called to influence through media, if we're called to that we it's important that we recognize that the fruit of the spirit has to be present in the way there's there's nothing that says, "Oh no, you don't have to exhibit the fruit of the spirit because you're in this war." And mm. I think I think there's a place where we've gone no, I have to fight fire with fire, so I have to be. And and you're saying, yeah, even in that position, it should look it should look different. You know, like 
in Galatians, it says, the works of the flesh are evident. And then it talks about sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And we go, oh, yeah, yeah, see, we're against those things. But then it goes on and it says, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, (laughs) rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and then envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm looking at this list going, what? Rivalries is in the same list as orgies and sexual immorality. (laughs) Like, bummer, you know? And so I think there's a reality. Then it goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so when we talk about it, should we engage? Yes, but it has to look different. Mm -hmm. We should engage in a different way. It's kind of a buzzkill for this podcast. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, going into that, um, just, I mean, we all know, like, in in America, there seems to be a conflation of Republican is Christian, you know, And, and so how the Republican talking heads, you know, speak, you know, Tucker Carlson, or I don't know any of who are, who are the other ones? It's I don't been 10 years for me, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, He's you know, conscientious they're, objector. they're the, <laughs> they're the voice for Christians. And that's, that's just not true. So it's not true. Yeah. You, you said you were fired up about this question. Jay Bryan. Uh, th- number three, uh, there seems to be... I'm sorry. Yes, but I just read from the Bible. So, <laughs> yeah, so I got, so I got now. nothing else to say. She, she used the, are you ready? Yeah. Trump card. And so... Oh, I, no. We yeah. don't say that word yeah, on this so podcast. Sorry. So sorry. <laughs> um, there seems to be a conflation of Republican views, Christian views. Yeah. Um, I don't... Uh, I recognize that. In fact, I know a lot of Republicans that aren't Christians, mm-hmm. um, among other things, but... um. Uh, the reason why it gets my blood going is because when you talk about things like the pro-life issue, mm. for example, the um, that's an issue uh, that is real and near and dear to me. That's about life. It's a culture of life. And the killing of babies is a culture of death. And the Democrat Party, which is usually about helping people and lifting people up and, um, frankly, throwing money at problems to try to make things better, um, they left those babies in their dust for political reasons, not because it was the right thing. And it just floors me. Mm. So is it a cultural issue? Is it is it um is it a Republican Democrat thing? I don't all I know is is that if I go to vote, only one of those two parties, or make it ten parties, mm. only one of those ten parties has actually got any kind of a culture of life. And for what whatever way <laughs> I am the, yeah. Renee and I disagree about lots of stuff. But, well, I would like to know the way, how far the culture of life stretches in that. You mean as you talks about capital punishment and things like that, and gun rights, and and all all the other things that are also related to life. Well, yeah. um, gun rights has something to do with protecting life. It just depends on your perspective. I'm somebody that believes if teachers had uh, weapons, that um, a lot of lives would have been saved. And so, I mean, it just depends. It depends on your perspective. But as it relates to the abortion issue, I can't and I won't ever pull the lever uh, for somebody that isn't pro-life. I just can't. 
You don't have to pull the lever for anyone. Stop trying to convince us, Dan. In fact, the lever, the lever doesn't even work anymore. Yeah, that's oh, ooh, culture war, dominion. Oh, I don't want to get sued. Sorry. Maybe this is too specific, but would you say like that issue is the Trump card? Like, if you have other how he got elected? No, 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 no. About abortion, like that should just be the overruling issue that causes someone to vote a certain way. So if I had views on the environment or capital punishment. As a Christian, you know, like as a Christian, I wanted to really make sure we were caring for the environment. Does the abortion issue just have to trump that? Well, it doesn't sound good. It's not fun to say it. But the reality is, is um, there are, um, I know one or two Democrats. I, um, I met one in the campaign this past year that he and I agreed on it, almost everything. Honestly, I think he's a conservative and he doesn't know it. But... <laughs> But he and I disagreed on that issue, on the on the pro life issue, and I think he even confessed somewhere. That's why I can't use his name, but he even said that I can't support the pro life movement and also get my endorsement with the yeah. DFL in Minnesota. To which I said, "Well, you know, I respect you this much, but just a little bit less right this moment in time." Because it shouldn't be about the endorsement or power and things like that. Which, by the way, is why a great many Democrats support uh, abortion or it's my body, my choice, that stuff. Um, unless we're talking about uh, vaccines. Um, but that's why they do it. It's, it's a matter of power. You can't, you don't get the support of your party unless you vote that way. Mm. Um, yes, to answer your question, um, unfortunately that has to be. It is, by the way, how Trump got elected in 2016. Um, more than anything, because people had to, people, whether they held their noses or not, whether they were all for him or not, they they did not pull a lever. They pressed a button or yeah. circled circled something. I've never pressed a button. So I I just read something interesting this morning that um, a third of Republicans and a third of Democrats disagree with their own party stance on mm. abortion, which means. For some people, that is not like the defining issue that makes them vote for that right. party. That's so. changing without without any question. That is changing because because there are people um, people that want not just people that are in power, people that are on the sidelines that vote, but there are a lot of people that are in power uh, that recognize if we're going to get in power again, if we're going to stay in power, we might have to change the way we are on that. Um, mm. And I just think that's happening. I I disagree with that. I mean, I hope we don't change that but the reality is is that's happening because they're doing the math well yeah even for the republican party like they're changing their stance on lgbtq issues um because they need more votes and there's a lot of lgbtq people who came over from the left yeah they're concerned in the last election they're conservative yeah but that's that's an issue for them and so the republican party is changing their tune on some of those things right which would mean it's not the Christian party. Well, right? that's well, that's exactly why <laughs> that Republican. That answers the question. Yeah, yeah, it's isn't just, equal to Christian because yeah, we're gonna differ with them on a lot of things coming up here. Um, yeah, but I mean Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He is a huge proponent for medical freedom. Um, he's also a Democrat. He's running, but they're not gonna allow debates in the primaries. So, well, because, in, in the Democratic primary, because the president couldn't possibly. <laughs> I mean, come on. There is that. Yeah. Um, Trump didn't do it in 2020 either, though. 
he didn't debate in the primaries. Um, I don't I honestly. I don't Apparently, recall. it's not usual for sitting presidents to debate their opponents. Anyways, I mean, it depends if someone's running against them. Were people running against Trump in twenty? I, I really don't remember. I don't remember either. Um, but Robert F. Kennedy Jr., like, I, I love him. He has done so much. He has sued the federal government so many times and won for issues of medical freedom. Love him. Hate his stance on everything else. Right. And, you know, like, environmental stuff, I'm like, you're using so much of your brain with the medical freedom stuff. How are you not using it on issues of abortion right. and environmental stuff and so i like the but the abortion issue is one that i'm like i can't vote for him i know he would do a lot in the area of medical freedom but i can't vote for him so right i have listened to him speak and by the way it's hard to listen to him speak yeah because he's he's actually got a vocal yeah thing yep um but the content of his of his speeches and he is an older school democrat so he's not he's more of a moderate the, but, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, John F. Kennedy. A lot of people said if they were alive today, would probably be a, would be considered a conservative, sure, because of his values in the sixties. Yeah. But so I find it interesting that for sure, then it's true that the Republican Party probably garners a lot of its support specifically for that life issue. I mean that that's that's what they put out as the platform. I think, that's and true. solving it would mean they would lose a lot of support. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. And and for right? that to actually so that, that to actually change, but but I think the reality is they have a whole lot of other things on their agenda that they want to accomplish that they are for as it relates to government and spending and uh policies and whatever, but but you know, so sometimes we we opt in to a certain thing because of this one issue. But then there's other things that they might be moving forward that aren't as important or not, maybe not even something that I fully support or agree with or, you know, and that becomes a difficult place to, to be in, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm. that. And if we had small government, we wouldn't have to worry about all of these other issues because they wouldn't have their hands in so many issues. And who supports small government? No, I mean, what oh, party? Oh, neither of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> libertarians? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But yes, even libertarians yes. I don't agree with because they're like, well, abortion should be like whatever, you know, like yeah, anybody. Right. Well, libertarian. You, yeah, right. Like, but you don't say that about murder of other people. Like, we have to have a law about that. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. In some ways, yeah. the libertarian thing is almost like another example of I want to be my own God. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's a really well said. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's so true. Right. The only other thing I have to add to this part of the conversation would be I just feel like it is easy for politicians on both sides to say if you really cared about this, then you'll vote mm-hmm. for us. So obviously we talked about abortion, but you know on race, like if you're not a racist, then you're going to vote for us. Right. And if you don't, then if you're you want a equality, if you <laughs> yeah. Want, right. yeah. And so I just <laughs> I hate. I hate that, and it makes me just want to say no to both of you. Right, <laughs> That's right. My yeah. position. What was it? Biden said he said if you're not black or if you don't vote for me, you're not black. That's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> really? yeah, yeah. He uh, said that. Okay. So it was, it was a quotable moment. I think he said if you don't for me, don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yeah, I'm afraid that's true too. Or black yeah. enough. Um, yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah. So yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, both parties are loose. And I think that's what has been a huge change in the past three years 
in the church has been like a realization of, oh, we're screwed either way. <laughs> let's let's go for the kingdom of God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like let's. Right. Which, is, by the way, this Sunday's message. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, not when this comes out. But <laughs> I think it is like good to be aware of and to like be discipling people that actually you're not going to fit into a group the more and more. Like if you want to be faithful and follow Jesus, this group that you felt a part of that says it aligns with all of your values, that's going to become less and less as time goes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I perceive anyway. And I think maybe we, the church, have told people you can have both. You can follow Jesus and and be all in yeah. with this. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. and I think that's going to change. I, th- I think you're right, but I yeah. can't. Um, I can't sit back. I can pray. I can serve. I can love my neighbor. I can heap coals on top of my enemy, but I can't sit back and watch. And I, so um, as things get messier and things get worse, I still feel that we are called to be involved in whatever way we feel called to yep. serve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that people have to steward, we have to steward our vote in the way that the Lord leads us to steward our vote. I think we have to steward our voice. I think, though, that we are putting a very small amount of faith and trust in prayer. I think as as the church, the fact that we think so little of prayer the fact that we think so little of like change happening through people actually changing from the inside out mm-hmm. and encountering God that that we think what people need is laws what people need they need to be regulated in these ways rather than just getting on our faces and crying out for a move of God where people would actually encounter God where people would be protected or life would be protected um, because we're we're moving things in in the heavenly realm and in the spirit. And I think I really believe that as as the body of Christ, we have to regain confidence and trust in the kingdom. I agree. And, yeah. and it, it has to be a priority, but but I believe my contention is we need to do both. Because babies if, in if the you're mean, called to it, yeah. In the meantime, babies are dying. So there's there's I don't see what's yep. wrong with praying. And in the meantime Hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are dying without having a relationship with Christ. So we're on it. We 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 need to be involved. I don't disagree with you at all. I just don't. I still see it as a. It's not a one or the other thing. I think it's a both thing. I I know people in the political realm, you included, who um, are going to the Capitol and they're speaking with their representatives about their concerns, and and they're Christians. You know, and they're going to their Democrat representatives, and they are loving them so well. Yeah. And they're saying, I don't agree with you on this, but, you know, and, and they're showing Christ to them. Yeah. That's really powerful. I remember I went to um, a hearing at the Capitol, and it was full of moms and babies, and these moms were pissed. And they were, like, yelling at the 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 speakers and everything you know, who came out into the hall to talk to them. And I just had to like take a step back from that. And I just started praying because I was like, this is not Christ. Yeah. And like, I just is not to, the way. This is not the way. Yeah. And um, 
just kept praying. And I felt in that moment, I was like, this is what I can do. I'm here, but this is what I can do right now. Mm. Um, and bring heaven down into the situation. So here's a question. Do we think that we can actually influence and transform culture apart from lawmaking? Like, like, is it a requirement to have control of a legislate legislative body in order to transform culture? Is that, is that the mandate of, of believers? I would say most Christians throughout history would say no, because we haven't always been in the position of power. Right. Um, I was going to bring this up earlier, so I hope it relates to this point, but you guys have seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. not. I think about like... Don't ruin it for that, me. That you haven't seen? No. It? Okay. Well, it's fine. It's we, we fine. know like a bunch of hippies <laughs> yeah. strung out on drugs had this awakening, um, and I'm sure there's prayer behind it too, and, and found Jesus, like thousands of them. And so I just think, like, why can't that happen today? It like, can. The, the people that we think are just too far gone and we need to kind of control from the top down, like, I think it would just be far more fruitful if if God just comes and has an awakening awakening. And I'm not saying don't be involved politically. I'm just saying like that excites me to see like the people that are furthest from God, the people that most Christians have given up on actually be the ones that become the most awakened in God. Right. At at the same time when uh, as I mentioned earlier too that um more and more of the American culture is deciding they want to be their own God, and that's going to be reflected in government. So I do wonder if we're going to get to a point where um, the political fight is just an uphill battle because it, just the sheer numbers of people wanting to be their own God and voting that into power, where it's like right. we're, we're the minority and even just doing things politically is... It just never works because we don't have the, the sheer numbers apart from like a great awakening that God would do. Right. You know, you've heard, um, we whatever the number is in marketing, um, if you see something six times, then then you'll commit it to memory or seven times or whatever mm-hmm. the number is. So if you see if you see a billboard or if you see a bottle or a beer or a Bud Light or whatever, um, that you'll um, you'll be you'll be inclined to remember uh, that product or whatever. And I just feel like we in the culture wars need to continue to speak the truth out there in political forms or otherwise so that when those people's hearts are are changed and all and they turn around and they look that they see or at least reminded that there are that there are other options things out there and I say yeah. that to say that in the 60s and the early 70s during that drug culture there were thousands of churches speaking out against that culture and when those people came through that and they had their spiritual awakening they were received eventually well uh, by some of those churches and some of those cultures because they existed, because they found them to be friendly territory. We have people in our church right now at Living Waters that were part of that movement that e- eventually were drawn to somewhat mainstream churches that they never would have walked into before because they were speaking the truth. Mm, that, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can always speak truth. Yeah, and discipleship, I mean, we we can't just speak the truth and then go away. Like, it has to, 
it comes at a cost to us where we have to disciple people um, and build a relationship with them. We can't just speak right. the truth and then leave, you know, because. Well, right. and again, to some degree, I we are speaking the truth about like a way of the kingdom. We're speaking the truth about an ideology. We're speaking, you know, that these things are truths. But it comes down to like introducing people to the truth, mm-hmm. to the the spirit of truth that's actually going to motivate them to live their lives in a way, you know. Mm. And so again, I recognize that for me, I'm called to the church. So I am more concerned about the culture going on inside the church mm-hmm. that has allowed us to be this impotent in yeah. in the lives of people and in influencing, you know, mm-hmm. that that we are so concerned about the culture out there. And I think there's some things about the culture within the church that comes back into order with what is it we're really truly called to? What is it that we, what power do we have that we can walk in um, and, and how do, you know, how do we address that? Um, you know, for me, that's, I think that there's going to be a culture shift inside the church before there's going to be a major culture shift outside the church. Which is how it always happened in revivals. Right. People were praying for years beforehand for revival, and and then the shift happened in the church, and then it spread outward. Yeah, Yeah, and when you think about revival and awakening, I think it's confronting that thing I brought up earlier about I want to be my own God. Like when that is truly confronted, then individuals change and then i think you see that on a on a national level and i think it is being confronted in the church right now yeah you know some beliefs that people had where god was more of um a santa figure (laughs) rather than their savior you know and and it's being confronted right you know like i can just God is just there for my healing, not for my transformation. Right. You know, right. or, is, or uh, how is God going to help me achieve my goals and right. My, right, my success in life? Right, yeah, He's an assistant. You yeah, know? so, <laughs> right. right, yep. Wow. Yeah. Anything else to say about culture wars? I will say that I have become comfortable in whether in um, church realms or in the political arena saying that my perspective comes from my faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I often start conversations and end them with that. And I make no apologies, probably use that phrase. I make no apologies for this. If you if you have trouble with the fact that I'm a Christian, I just need you to know this is where I'm coming from. Um, if you don't believe in the Bible, and I do, and so that has a lot to say with some of the things I, I, I believe. And I, I never say that to turn people off, but to actually introduce Jesus to the conversation, and um, I just saying it's helpful. Mm. It's helpful. It, it even helps me to keep my bearing in a conversation when I'm as it relates to a possible solution um, as we deal with culture wars. Maybe it's helpful not to be pounding people over the head with it. You know, I'm a Christian. Listen to me. I love Jesus. But rather, <laughs> but rather offering them a flower and saying, "I'm a Christian. I love Jesus." and I just want mm. you to know that this conversation is brought to you by a love for you, not not right. an animosity towards you. Yeah, yeah. Who was it who said, um, I don't like that person. I must get to know him better. Who was that? That's really good. Was that Abraham Lincoln? I don't know who it was. Mm-hmm. But it yeah, was one of good. the presidents, I think. That's um, really good. Yeah. But I think 
if you do feel called to to engage in these culture wars as a Christian in a way that is biblically sound, you need to be comfortable with who you are in Christ, know who you are in Christ, because you are going to get called names. So when somebody calls you transphobic, you can be like, I'm sorry you think that and and move on because you are going to get called names no matter how well you present the truth with the fruits of the spirit. It's true. You're going to get called that stuff. So if you do feel called to speak out yeah. and and engage in this, you need to know who you are in Christ, not in the Republican Party. That's right. You need to know um, how to speak out, wh- whether it be on um, social media. Social media, I don't think, is the greatest yeah. spot to speak out but it is some of the platform that any of us have um so yeah. but but i don't think it's but i do think you still need to get to know people absolutely yeah there's two different one-on-one. kinds of speaking out there would be like the the public proclamation of truth that maybe you have an audience and you don't know them personally and then the individual relationships you have with people that you know will disagree with you right and mm-hmm. I can't say I've done like a lot of public stuff. One, because I work from home, so I don't see people. <laughs> Two, I recognize just doing it on social media is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Much it's kind of anymore. like a hit and run. Yeah. And um, I do think there's a grace-filled way that you can do it. Yeah. I yeah, really do. For sure. I have had like a lot of... Success isn't the right word, because I don't know how you'd even measure that. But I have relationships with people who are very different from me ideologically and they know that about me but like there's a respect there like mm. and we can talk about stuff and it's never been like i can't believe you said that you're so homophobic or whatever mm-hmm. whatever right. the issue is so i think like if you give people to see who you really are and that uh, I, the big thing i think is realizing you don't need to win the argument mm-hmm. like the relationship um, you can be comfortable in what you say as truth and just leave it at that. Like convincing the person on the spot is not. Right. It can't be the goal. I heard somebody put it. um, How did, how did they put it? Like, are we, are we trying to win the argument or win our neighbor to Christ? Mm -hmm. And I think actually two of those, both of those things can be ditches (laughs) that we can for the sake. And I think that's, a little bit what has happened in the larger body of Christ is for the sake of winning people to Christ, we haven't really fully presented truth. Mm-hmm. And and on the other hand, you have this, I'm winning the argument piece. And so I think there needs to be a place where, I mean, I just think we really need to be led by the Spirit, and we need to know that our foundation is love and our foundation is a, a desire to see people come into encounter with God and, and have an opportunity to choose Him. And, you know, um, but but I think there's there's kind of ditches on both sides of that where we can go, well, you know, for the sake, like I would say, I want to be able to still have a voice into their life. Does that mm-hmm. mean I, I don't speak truth to them or I don't, you know... Or I, I keep that truth guarded and, you know, mm. know that that's not love. Yeah. You know, so I think it's really, there is a, a place that we need to be able to walk in that really is effective. Um, but I don't think it's broad. I think it's, you know, more in a one-on-one. Yeah. 
One thing I like doing online and getting to know people who are, who have way different beliefs than me. Like we are so far apart on the political scale. It's like, what can I even talk to you about? Is I like like seeing their stories and just reacting to the stuff that I do like, you know, like what you do agree with, what I do agree with, or just being like, Oh, they post a picture of their kid or something like, Oh my gosh, that looks, you know, she's so big or, you know, just, just creating that connection where it's like, we have more in common than you think. And I value you. And I value you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's one of my favorite little ways of just like, and, and sometimes I'm like, Hey, you want to go for coffee? And, you know, and just not with an agenda, just to see, Right. If we can make a connection. I also think that we have to be prepared for the reality. And I think, Dan, you touched on this, that more and more as genuine believers in Jesus, we are going to look different than all of the factions. More and more, we are going to have to be prepared for the fact that we are going to be set apart in, in the ways that we behave, in the ways that we live, in the ways that we talk, in the ways that we engage. And um, if we're trying to avoid that, that'll be very difficult for us to actually be effective in what it is we're meant to be effective in. Um, and we've kind of had the luxury of not having to look different mm. yeah, and not having to look, you know, and, and I think we need to be prepared for that, that we are going to, to be set apart. Um, but I think there's going to be a whole generation looking for that different yeah, because of the emptiness of, you know, what's been winning the day lately. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I would say that's a good thing to start imparting into our kids for those of us who have yeah. kids, uh, because we grew up where we could kind of fit into this culture because it was a little bit Christian and accepting, but... I think part of that discipleship is is having these conversations with your kids when they're young that, hey, being a Christian might not always be easy and you might be on the outside and you might not fit in. Yeah. Um, so we're not selling them this, not a lie, but just this idea that, oh, I can just live however I want and everyone's going to accept my Christianity. And if you're doing it right. Yeah. Everyone will love you. Yeah, and right. <laughs> I mean, that was the sentiment in kind of church culture, like just, what, five years ago? Yeah. Was like, if you're living your life as a Christian, people will be drawn towards you. You will have favor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in all like, the ways. Oh, boy. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, I have experienced that, but it doesn't seem to be consistent. But it comes from God, not man. <laughs> it comes from God and not man, and, and it the the part that comes from God doesn't come and go, but it feels like it comes and goes yeah. because of that battle we are with being in his kingdom and in this kingdom. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is different now, by the way. Our kids are being raised in a different culture right now entirely. And I think that's why some of the older people are be- are waging war mm. because it is that different. Our kids have fewer friends that go to church on Sunday or no friends. Sure. They go to church on Sunday. It's, it's we are in different times. Yeah, and I can I can get that. I was telling someone else um, a couple couple weeks ago that I can understand kind of the the fear and just maybe outrage is not the right word, but 
maybe it is, that you've grown up in a culture and it's been, you know, Christian values have aligned with American values for so long. And right. it seems like in like 15, 20 years, it's just shifted like that. Whereas like I, I kind of grew up in that going to school and I feel like I could see this coming. So like when mm-hmm. gay marriage was legalized, that wasn't a surprise to me. Right. Where to some people who've been alive a lot longer, like that was like, where did this come from? So I, I think we should be sympathetic to some people who have a strong reaction to that. Right. I try to be, by the way, I, I agree with you, but I also, as it relates to that one issue, I, I saw it coming. Yeah. And we talked about it at home and okay. in, in other places. And people would say, no, that's not going to happen. Mm. Even politicians... That for were, both sides. For both sides says that's not going to happen. And then it's, it shifted in 2012 on the day after the election. It literally, I, I remember it was like a light switch went off. Yeah, I've been thinking about that, President Obama said. And, you know, maybe that's not the right way to go about things, but it was after the election. I find it interesting, though, and, you know, you and I have had this discussion before. This moral turn away from the ways of God were happening a long time mm-hmm. before that. Sure. It's just that, for example, homosexuality became the hot button. And I remember we, we've talked before about you know watching a particular show, and we've watched this series, and it's had all kinds of inappropriate sexual relationships. People... Um, I don't know what we try to keep this rated, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of sexual People engaging it, in things yes. outside of the bonds. Yeah, of and not even that it was terribly visual, or we're not watching these things, but we know that these characters that we've come to like in this show are not walking in a godly way, and they're having an affair, and they're you know yeah. all and and they're all sleeping with one another. Everybody's favorite show. We wear the t-shirts, and they're all sleeping with each other, and we think, oh, friends, yeah, okay. <laughs> if you want to say it out loud, you know whatever. <laughs> Is but that, but you know ER or any of these series yeah. and then they have the audacity to have a homosexual relationship mm. and we go oh, we yeah. can't watch that anymore. Yeah. And so this this thought that we have been a god-fearing nation and we've been so, you know, that the culture has been so turned towards the ways of God as divorce has become common in in the world and in the church right. as this kind of s- sexual immorality has become more and more common and more and more accepted and i think that we need to be aware that w- yes this war is kind of coming to this pinnacle place but it's been a long time of turning away from of course it has. the culture of, of, course it has. of Homose- the kingdom homosexuality is discussed not in a positive light in the Bible, so it's been it's been something that's been around forever and ever and ever. But you're right. This this especially in the last. But so is all other types of sexual right. immorality. Right. right. I know, but I'm just saying it's not new. It's it has been it's been around forever, but it became normalized. I, I remember the day. It became normalized November 2012. But if you look in Rome in 70 AD, it was completely normalized. I mean, it, it became renormalized. November r- right. When right, right, did right. sex before marriage become normalized? Um, well, it, sexual revolution. it got a huge boost in the 70s, in the late 60s, early 70s. Right. Had something to do with the pill. And then what and abortion. quickly followed was the Jesus movement. Okay, so you're saying something good's about to happen. I, I think something good's about to happen. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? I was just telling my dad that this impacted me so much is, was it 
two, three Sundays ago when you called people up for repentance. Do you remember that Sunday? Yes. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were all weeping. And uh, just everyone going up there to the front for repentance. And I think you can repent in your seat, but I do think that there's something significant in going to the altar. And the worship team played for 30, 45 minutes past the service. And people, some people were still sitting in the service and just weeping. That, to me, is a marker of revival. Yeah. Right mm. there. People not, not staying past because they have to, but just because they crave the presence of God. Yeah. And they are repenting, not even for something that they did, but for... They're turning into something. Right. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. that was an awesome moment. That just, I was like, something huge is happening in the body of Christ. And it might not look like it in the culture, but yeah. we can see if you are plugged into your church, if you are involved in your church, it's hopefully something that you're seeing. And that's why I think church attendance is so important and why you can't get the same thing from online is because there's just, there's just something about it. I agree. Yeah. That awakening is, is just what I'm really longing for because I think it it would be easy for the culture to revert back to where some of these things, these sexual things aren't normal. And then we'd be like, oh, it's okay. Mm. But like people's hearts are still not turned towards God. Yes. But yeah. like in an awakening or a revival, people are turned towards God. And it's not just the right behavior because that's what's culturally acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's actually living out of a relationship with Jesus and you're you're transformed. Yeah. And you've decided, I don't want to be my own God. I want you to be God. Yeah. <laughs> keep saying that, but I, I feel like it just keeps coming back to that. Well, and we yeah. need to keep yeah. saying that every day. Yep. That's how Absolutely. you win a culture war. Yeah. Yeah. And cut. <laughs> <laughs> and I think naturally, like, as God changes people's hearts, the culture is going to change. Yeah. And that might come in the form of laws, or it might not. Um, but either way, like... Yeah, we know the ending. <laughs> well, so. and that's, we're creating an editing nightmare for you right now. But that's, um, you know, closes. there are a lot of things that are legal that I don't do. Yeah. I mean, any number of us, there mm-hmm. are hundreds of things that are legal mm-hmm. that we don't do because of an internal culture Yeah, that says, this is, this is not the way for me. Like mm-hmm. dancing. <laughs> so we just need a little levity <laughs> well pot's like, gonna get legalized next week dancing some forms of dancing should not be legal <laughs> um but but i you know that's a reality and and that's where there there has to be an internal culture yeah. there has to be a winning of the internal culture war Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast. 
Living Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.